This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, Blanca, May and me, Dee, have a dish about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Headstuff is Ireland's largest podcast network. There's something for everyone here. Gossip, social justice, film, politics, and yes, food, which would be us. So what does being a Headstuff Plus member mean? Well, for five euros a month, you can get early access to shows, hit merchandise, and bonus materials. For instance, in our own Spice Bags journey, we have had so many conversations that we reluctantly had to trim from the show, and you can find them here, like Ahmed Didi's Michelin Education, and from today, the infectiously wonderful Venezuelan food producers and chefs who have made Ireland their home. But more importantly, by being a member, you're helping support Irish podcasts and enabling this community of creative voices to continue. For more information about how to become a member, visit headstuffpodcast.com. Hi, welcome to Spice Bags. Today we're talking about cooking schools and... Um, Dee and I have a lot of experience. May doesn't, so None. maybe she shouldn't be here. <laughs> so how are we going to get into this? I've created some bitchy headings. Um, so what do you think? Let's talk about cooking schools that make you want to kill yourself. Can I also say just before we jump into the headings that Blanca Valencia is a graduate of Cordon Bleu, and she has taught at Alambique, and she has run the kitchen at Books for Cooks. So when she says that she has experience in the cooking school, um, in cooking schools, uh, she's, you know, she's understating it a little bit. Very understating. But it's more the amateur <laughs> side of things. We'll discuss that. No, and but we'll I think say, it's great yeah. to get your perspective and background. <laughs> Plus, I mean, I think for me as well, Cordon Bleu, I always, it was one of those kind of dreams I always had of attending it, but I just... The price tag for me was just out of my reach. The price tag is crazy. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it is that kind of school that I think of um, as the kind of the dream to be able to go and, but it's nine month intensive, right? Yeah. So, and talking about killing yourself in cooking oh, school. Oh, yes. Yeah. Cooking <laughs> cordon bleu. I have to say it was, I, I was a consultant. I was working in Accenture and I took a leave of absence to go to cordon bleu and Cordon Bleu was the least glamorous cooking school you would ever imagine. It was in Mary Le Bon. They've moved to a different location now, but the kitchens were very old. Some of the teachers were, they, I was telling May, they looked like pirates. They had like all these tattoos. Some were missing teeth. And there was a big divide between pastry and cooking. So pastry were all mm. like gay and handsome and really polite. And cuisine were mean and French. And they were like, oh, chef, this is bichette, whatever. So it was not a glamorous experience. Um, it was very hard. And every day you'd get graded in front of other people. And they'd be like, mm, this chicken is raw. This lamb is ridiculous so oh my god that should be a stressful. tv show no you you, so you 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 did say that you've never felt this that humiliated or stressed out in and, your life and i was coming yeah. from managing big projects like talking to the finance director of this company and all of a sudden i was like reduced to tears because my lamb was undercooked um another thing about cordon bleu this is 2003 when i went is that the recipes were so 
out of whack with the realities that when I got to Books for Cooks, I didn't know how to make muffins. So the the classical mm. cuisine is great. But, you know, if somebody asked me now, I want to go to cooking school, I would say, you know, maybe go to a school like Leeds or Ballymaloo where you're learning more real techniques. But anyway, that's my personal opinion. But also, I think it was reflective, right, of um, the old-fashioned French kitchen model, right? Yeah. Like, which I think that was sort of, you know, glamorized and it's being, it's become sort of that abusive model, right? Mm, that, yeah. that is being called out now and, you know, and that, you know, where you know, that if you do something wrong, you are shamed and, you know, there's a lot of shouting and it's very male. Um, and that, I think that was what your experience was when you yeah, did it that. It was very intimidating. And I, I have to say pastry, there was a fabulous uh, chef, an Irish chef, John Power, and he was fabulous. And I love going to the pastry classes, but cuisine was, everybody Terrifying. was shaking and it was really hard. And, you know, you do learn you will never undercook cook your lamb rack again. Um, but anyway, um, let's move on to, so we're, we've, we're, we've talked a little bit about Cordon Bleu. Um, let's talk about cooking schools that you go to when you're traveling, Dee. So I, I've done a lot of this and I, I really feel in terms of, I like to, when I go somewhere for uh, on a trip that I've never been before, a city or a country, I really like to do a class, even if it's just one class rather than a whole, you know, week long or anything like that. Um, so I've gone to one in um, one that really st sticks out in my mind and I really enjoyed was in South Africa in Cape Town. There is an area of Cape Town called Bo Cap. Um, it's famous from apartheid. The, this, the houses were very, they're very square, very small. All the streets are very small and it was always white, like always painted white. And when Nelson Mandela um, became president, he insisted that they be painted multicolour. So like really, really bright yellow, purple, orange, blue, green, pink, everything. And it's now the most stunning area just really stands out. And I went to I went on a walking tour through there and then we were brought into this woman's home and she did a cooking class for the day um, in her home, in her kitchen, her living room. We had we had the food and we went went in cooking with her in the kitchen. So very I won't say like one on one because there was about six of us, but, it, you know, hands on, very personal, intimate class um, with a local person who is not qualified as a teacher just she is an amazing home cook who is teaching you um, her local recipes and basically um, there's a huge Malay influence um, in South Africa in Cape Town in particular and in the Bo Cap area and she has she was from Malaysia her heritage so she had taught us a Malay uh, chicken curry and we also made roti and you know all from scratch all in her house and it was just beautiful and I didn't know the people in the cooking class before I was there on my own, um, I had traveled to South Africa on my own to visit family. And yeah, I mean, it's still just in my mind, I can almost still smell her kitchen and just the dishes that I learned. And she gave us the recipes. I also was given some spices to take away with me. Um, in fact, I'm going to share one of the recipes on our website, spicebags.ie. I just think it's a really beautiful experience and I really felt it brought me closer and more in touch with the culture of that local experience. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, you said that you did this on your own. Um, 
just a <laughs> somewhat. Um, uh, I I do always think sometimes um, cooking schools are a good meat market, mm. right? You know, if you're looking to find that perfect <laughs> not if person. you go with your husband or not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Don't bring your husband. Don't bring your husband. Or what? <laughs> well, I have the experience when I was in Alambique of meeting people that said they had met either as friends or as as you know boyfriend girlfriend in Alambique. So it is especially I think cooking schools where they're demo where you're sitting with somebody and remember before COVID people were crammed yes. into cooking school so it was like your leg was touching and maybe there was a <laughs> glass, glass of wine so I or think they in pair, those you, schools, up. They pair yeah. you up for tasks yeah. as well but the thing is there's two types of amateur cooking schools the demo ones and then the hands-on ones and I think a lot of people um, have always argued, oh, we need to do more hands-on. But a lot of people like going to a cooking school just to watch yes, and to try. And they don't want to do anything, especially mm. when it's like a corporate or a group of friends. You're like, I'm not cooking. But those are like the two divisions, like mm. the demo one. And I love, personally, I love the demo one, especially when you're traveling. It's yeah. nice to go and watch somebody else cook. And just have maybe the lunch. I've often yeah. gone to a class like that where you watch the demo and then you just all have lunch together. And that can be really nice in terms of social interaction as well. But speaking of um, going to cooking schools and meeting um, people, I mean, cooking schools can also provide... Um, <laughs> a lot of eye candy shall we call it I mean a lot of the com- uh, cooking schools I've gone to some in particular the 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 chefs or the people teaching are just really attractive and um, a lot of attractive men at cooking schools so not def- at Blanca's Cordon Bleu not with in the cuisine pirates. in Cordon Bleu 20 years ago sorry <laughs> really in pastry they were uh, very good looking Yeah, maybe it's just River Cottage then yeah. I went to River Cottage in the UK in Devon Doris said the Hugh Fernley Whittingstall uh, School, which is another amazing experience. I spent a week there um, learning uh, to cook different things. Um, and yeah, I mean. And lot. swooning? Swooning. I mean, yeah. swooned. I swooned. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> I, I swooned think, at River Cottage. I think, yeah. I mean, Not I think for TV who, for probably. TV probably has helped in sort of just being like, okay, you know what? We're bringing the handsome, like, we're bringing the, yeah. the good looking sure. chefs. Up front. May, you were talking about something, even though May is not, shouldn't be in this podcast. Mm. She was talking about something really funny. Cooking school chick lit books. (laughs) Can you tell us about that? I love this one. Okay, so I have never read. I think I've read this one book, but I can't even remember like reading it which is the sharper your knife the less you cry which is yeah right which is this whole you know she has this Blanca's giving me a thumbs down um I don't remember reading it but I was like oh I think I have actually um even Julie and Julia like even though um you know she herself doesn't go to cooking school there's these excerpts from Julia Child in Cordon Bleu and so um, it's yeah, exactly. Eat, pray, love. Like I'm in a midlife crisis. I'm this beautiful yeah. woman who doesn't understand her own beauty. And you know what? I'm gonna pick up a knife, and I'm gonna meet myself a man. <laughs> it is. I think. Yeah. I think there's that thing. Like, oh, I, I was trying to find myself, and I went to Cordon Bleu, and I found like a man. <laughs> tears. No. <laughs> oh, tears. And I got like I didn't get good grades or something like that. Uh, but there are a lot of it's kind of glamorized. And when I when I read The Sharper Your Knife, The Less You Cry, that was in in Paris. But you know, it's like I'm sorry, there's nothing glamorous. Like you're in this like locker room with a bunch of people, and it's smelly. Like 
you know, I, I just thought, like, did I go to the wrong place? Like, what happened here? Um, I do think maybe if you go to a place like the CIA, which is the famous professional, the Culinary Institute of America, maybe it's more glamorous. I don't know. May, do you have any insights into the CIA? Well, I just I just love the fact that the CIA, there was, at some point there were two CIAs at Yale University. I think that was even uh, in my stepfather's recollection. So I think that would have been the 70s and the 80s, right? So you have the cooking and the cooking academy, and you have the spy academy, and you have Yale, and they're all God crammed forbid together. You mix up the two. <laughs> like God forbid you like take the wrong turn. Yeah, you're halfway through, um, you know, a souffle demo, and you're like, sorry, when are we getting to forensics? <laughs> yeah, but the CIA sounds pretty. Glamorous, like they have restaurants where the students cook. Um, but I, in general, I don't. I, I they think look really, yeah. it looks really pretty. And Anthony yeah. Bourdain went to CIA. Okay, yeah. Um, so he has because uh, it's Bourdain, right? So he has obviously Kitchen Confidential is mm-hmm. very unglamorous of the CIA. But my favorite part was that he had this Japanese teacher for all Asian food. At, oh, so no, no, no. Sorry, Chinese teacher for all Asian food. So they would go. Like, go and do, like, really great, like, you know, like, whatever, going about chicken and things like that. And then the Japanese day would come, and he would point to a poster full of, like, raw fish. He's like, you want to eat that? That is Japanese trash. (laughs) Which brings us nicely onto uh, cooking schools as a, like, cultural assimilation. (laughs) I think the best example of this is Fuchsia Dunlop when she went to to Sichuan, um, to learn cooking, um, and she learned so much about Chinese culture by going to cooking school. She already knew and was a fluent speaker, but that's also, uh, that's the opposite of chiclet <laughs> cooking schools, <laughs> because it's it's a very, very deep book. Do you think that it's when you, like that, go to a cooking school that is a particular cuisine or, uh, like, like the Anthony Bourdain example you give, but if the cook isn't from that country, um, I mean, I guess does that matter, or have you had a bad experience? I think it's more that the that? Chinese the, the Chinese hate the Japanese. Oh, they hate raw food. food. They yeah. hate raw food, and they hate Japanese possibly more than raw food because of our you know World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I've I've been to a couple of classes where um, I really felt that the person perhaps teaching the cuisine. And it wasn't their the country where they were from. I really felt that it shouldn't have been. I was in. It was one of the worst classes I've been to. I don't know. I mean, and what country was this? You don't have to give yeah. us any names, <laughs> if you want to. Um, it was a it was a Japanese sushi class. Okay. In, um, and it was in Ireland or in Japan? Yes, oh, in, Ireland. in Ireland. Given by an Irish chef, and I just felt there was no respect there really. Of I mean, there was knowledge. But the skill wasn't there and the respect, I think, that and that's all you want to do, right? I mean, you can teach if you have knowledge of another country or a technique or a skill, like you're, you're perfectly within right to do that. But just make sure that you're giving respect, that you have that knowledge. And I just think you need to be careful of that as well. And also, if you're paying money to go along to a class, I mean, you know, you need to know who your teacher is. Yeah, I th- I think my worst experience, well, I've had plenty because I've, I was addicted to cooking schools for a long time but one experience in Italy my friend Volker and I went to Umbria this is 
I don't know, early 2000s. And we went to um, this Italian cookery week. We'd read about it in the press. So whoever wrote the article should be shot. And the woman who ran the school, she was there, but she was absent. She never talked to us. She looked like she had just rolled out of bed. And she just had a chef who taught us. And he was super charming, but not a huge amount of English. So the food we ate was good. But this lady who was supposed to be running the class was just absent. absent. And, mm. you know, she'd written a cookbook. She'd gotten a lot of favorable press. So I was very disappointed because this was an expensive trip to go from London to Umbria, you know. So that was my worst experience. And my best experience was when I went to Ballymaloo. And I always say that that was... This is before I went to Cordon Bleu, and I really wanted to go to Ballymaloo, but I was living in London, and I didn't want to leave Steve alone, or he didn't want me to go. But I thought Ballymaloo, um, Dorino was teaching the class. It was a, an entertain entertainment class, and I love, love, love the experience, and I still use the recipes. And it was that would be my type of cooking school. But I was also going to say that I think the one cooking school demo that I was last at was at Ballymaloo 10 years ago. Oh, so you have been to a cooking well, class. Well, no, I mean, and, you know, and there's also... She wasn't also, paying attention, other, maybe. <laughs> was apparently. Um, but, but it was interesting, right? It was 10 years ago, and um, which for me doesn't feel that long ago. And Dorina was demoing guacamole. And guacamole would have was mm. for her audience a very unfamiliar dish. So she talked everyone through. So D was you're saying right? Like Dorina is not you know Mexican, <laughs> but um, but it was really you know I thought she just did it in a really respectful yeah. way. Um, and I think that you know she really brought in a lot of people's horizons. You know when she was talking through the coriander and the avocado and what is an avocado and you know blah blah blah, blah. and so um, so I did enjoy that. The level of detail I feel that Ballymaloo uh, teachers, Darina or Rachel or Rory or any of the other tutors that are down there, um, whether you do a day class, an afternoon, a week long, or the three month, I feel the level of research and knowledge and detail that is given to just in food in general, like talk about paying respect to food, to ingredients. And just you can be, even if you are only there for a class or an afternoon, be completely just enveloped in the whole experience and the knowledge. I just feel it's a really, really rewarding. Actually, it's one of the most rewarding cooking classes I've ever done or experience I've ever done. And I guess that's what makes it one of the best yeah. cooking schools, not only in this country, but probably in the world uh, for the level of what you get out of it. Um, and it, and again, gives you more than just teaching you how to cook. Yeah. And I think that they don't fall into this pit that so many people do when they open a cooking school. And it's like this personality driven cooking school where it's a person who dominates everything. And even if there's other people teaching, it's it's like they're dominating every single thing. And the teachers are kind of invisible. And I hate those schools. Like I can I can men I could think of like at least four schools that I've seen where that happens, where it's just driven by one person and they're really controlling and micromanaging and they hire people to teach their recipes. So it could be May doing lasagna, but, you know, May is like invisible. It's like a canvas and she can't talk about being Chinese. Or even if you were making, you know, something that you grew up with, it's still this person's recipe. I have to say that to me is 
number one cooking school pet peeve. But and even, I, I hate it. But even though Ballymaloo was, I mean, Myrtle set it yeah. up. And with Darina, um, her daughter-in-law, and I mean, it was personality driven to an extent, but they never made it about them. Yeah, they yeah. made it about the food. I mean, for us or for people who attended, it might have been, you might have gone there because you knew who Myrtle Allen was or you knew who Darina Allen was or Rachel Allen. But, but actually when you're there... You don't get that from You them, don't yeah. get that from I them. They're just so one of the other it, teachers. Yeah, it's not the, about the, that. The, the food becomes... The, yeah. Yeah. the food becomes... But I do think that, I guess, it was a bit of a surprise with Ballymaloo, um, was that it felt kind of advertised... Like, it's there's a lot of advertising on this beautiful... Like, in this beautiful place, right? So you were, like, turning the corner, and there's a big poster of Rachel and you turn another corner, and here's oh, our I shop. Did, I yeah, guess in 2002 or 2001, I was, I, that, 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 case, that I thought yeah. was interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it is a business. I know that speaking with Darina... More recently, like, the, you know, it's still a struggle, even though, you know, to get people to um, to go to as in not a struggle to get people to go. But like as in you do have to constantly make the sell. And I guess I suppose they are trying to sell other brands and things as yeah. well. But I mean, yeah, there is a lot of um, it's the same. It was actually the same in River Cottage in terms of, you know, the the store was full of Hugh Fernley Whittingstall yeah. um, books, you know, all of his cookbooks, his um I know paraphernalia, merch. you know, merch, merch. merch. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> you know, it is. I suppose River Cottage is a school. It was set up as a school. It is all about the food, and but yes, when you go into the shop side of things or the posters of Hugh's face splattered around the place, you know, and he's he rarely teaches anymore. Yeah. Um, he's just he is the he as he says himself, he is better and has always been better as an ambassador for his school rather than being a good teacher himself. And mm. lucky for you, you've got eye candy. Oh, yeah. Cooking I mean, I teachers instead. Let's bring I, it back I, to I, I your River Cottage <laughs> I feel experience. bad objectifying my teachers over there. But no, I'm just saying they were handsome gentlemen teaching the classes. Sorry, because we're older. We're not in our 20s. We can ob- objectify men. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know my 20-something friends don't don't like me doing this. <laughs> but I really loved the style, the way they taught um, in River Cottage. And it was that hands-on it was demo mixed with so you'd watch a demo and then do hands-on mm-hmm. but it was I really felt I learned a lot you know mm-hmm. a lot of skills they covered a lot within a week um, and also just living for a week in that countryside down in the Devon Dorset border um, in South England and I just think it's a beautiful experience it's the same with Ballymaloo the location of a cookery school can can mean a lot yeah and then let's talk about May's way of learning, the one-on-one cooking. And this is also, or, we can also talk about mothers teaching daughters or fathers teaching daughters, less so. But, um, and sons. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the cooking. Or like as cooking, May described it to me, harassing people to teach her well, how to that's, cook. Well, that's generally what I do, right, is I'm like, I basically bully my way into a kitchen and go, hey, this was tasted really amazing. Can I come in? And they're like, if you want to show up at 6 a.m. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And um, and I love learning that way. Like, I love learning how to see, like, a Maliodorus being made. Or I love learning to, like, watch, like, a beef bourguignon. Like, you know, all of these, you know, pasta being rolled out. And, you know, and also, like, for instance, I remember this one woman, and she was doing um, a fregola. And she was cutting her calamari or squid into diamond shapes, which I'd never seen, you know, like all of these things. And so, you know, and her daughter would be coming in and out. And, you know, so for me, 
I feel like that's that's a wonderful way to learn. Because you're a writer, I think, and you to to write about something, I think it's probably easier if it's one-on-one rather than if it's 40 people watching something. But I also hate being publicly humiliated, which is why I would never do something like Cordon Bleu. <laughs> like Cordon Bleu. Like, I, was like, yeah. I, was like, I was like, if I'm not, you know, if I'm not top of the class and I'm going to be like sneered at by a pirate, no thank you. <laughs> which is actually kind of brings me on to one way that I've learned a lot of uh, dishes and techniques and stuff is TV. I'm just going to put it out there. Can TV be a cooking school? I have to say I don't watch any cooking shows on TV. I hate it. That's that's like a big no-no for me. But I don't I know why. I think the whole reality I'm... TV show in terms of like MasterChef, um, uh, all of these kind of like, you know, the Bake Off, they're all so popular. And I feel like, okay, you're watching them because you just talked about public humiliation. I mean, like that is what happens on these shows. These people are going on their national or international TV to like basically, unfortunately, sometimes publicly humiliate themselves if things don't work out in the kitchen. And we can't get enough of that. But also the kind of, I suppose, that old school, what Darina did when she first started on TV, she was you know, renowned. I mean, she was one of the ones who just really, really brought that to the fore here in Ireland. But like demoing, you know, like dishes for as part of a TV show. I I like them. I find them a little boring at times. I do like the more interactive kind of fun ones. I love them. Like the more modern, you know, um, munchies on Vice and that kind of thing. I really like those. Matty Madison, I just think he's hilarious to watch. I mean, I guess if the character is there, but I love his style of... I mean, he's just so I'm showing it. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, my husband is addicted, of course, to boys cooking. Like there's like, you know, there's a YouTube thing. It's like Babbage. I was just binging on um, the old seasons of this U.S. show called Top Chef. And I realized that in many ways, and this is sort of was like around the same time I became a food writer. I was like, I realized that so much of how I behaved in a professional kitchen, right? Because if you're doing a piece, like, what you want to do is you want to stay out of the way, but you need to know the lingo and everything like that. Like, I picked that up from Top Chef. <laughs> like, you know, how to be respectful. Like, you know, what is a pass? Like, you know, how you know how a kitchen is organized and where you where literally is the best place to stay out of the way. And I was like, oh, that's Top Chef. And somebody else, and I know he's going through a lot of, he's being canceled right now, but... Um, very early on, uh, M- Mario Batali had a show called Molto Mario, which was him just like on this like really bare bones studio. And he was educating the American public about regional Italian cooking. And he would give you the history. And he was like, and I, I remember, and I, I think I brought this up, right? Like, but there was a barley risotto that he did with grated apples that was, you know, in some northern Italian uh, place that I do not remember, but I remember that he said that it was a border of Germany. And so he describes a place to you. He paints a picture of the people. Um, why is barley the major starch? Why is he making risotto from barley? And then he goes to it. And then why, why, why apples, right? And so I was like, I learned a lot from that show. Mm. I just I don't know why I just find with cooking um, and I think that's why I haven't done any cooking like online or because I love the whole experience of going to a cooking school and tasting oh, yeah. it and the smell. So I just I find there's like a disconnect because to me cooking is all about the senses. So I don't normally watch very occasionally I'll watch you know, the British Bake Off with my daughters because they love, it's so funny, they love watching sports and cooking shows. I don't know, maybe they're adopted. I have no idea where they get their <laughs> taste from. Yeah, no, Tommy was comparing 
cooking like the like GBBO and sports. He's like, honey, I don't understand why you're not into sports because it's we a- love this. <laughs> Can we compare the two? It's so funny. And then one one other thing I wanted to talk about that um, is very important is cooking schools as a as a medium of social entrepreneurship, teaching people. Mm. And this is something that is happening a lot in Brazil with um, Chef David Hertz and his um, organization, which is called Social Gastronomy, where he uses, you know, his power and his fame to set up these type of uh, not-for-profits where he teaches people how Mm -hmm. to cook and he gives them the skill. And um, I think, um, you know, there's examples like Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver is 15 in London. I mean, obviously, you know, and, you know, yeah, it's not the first one to do it. But, you know, this idea, it's okay, it's targeting, you know, underprivileged youth and giving them an opportunity to go to essentially like a cooking academy and set them up. Mm. Also, yeah. uh, Liam Tomlin, the Irish chef who's based in South Africa, he, I saw him speak at Food at the Edge the last time and he was, has set up a school similarly um, mm. in South Africa to do, to do that. I'd love to see more of that here. Uh, one thing I'd love to see in Ireland, um, so if anybody from the government is listening, is I'd love a place where people of all different walks of life or different countries could come and teach. Mm. Well, you said you want almost like a community kitchen. Community sl- kitchen. Community yeah. kitchen yeah. slash, I mean, because you did uh, Common Threads in Chicago as well. So that was sort of, yes, that was, you know, community that was reaching out to inner city schools, but there was that cooking element and there was the cooking education. I just think it's it's just such a great tool to to learn about other cultures, you know, mm. that you go, imagine if there was a place in the center of Dublin where you could go and there would be a Polish cook one day and then a Nigerian cook and it would be, or Fabiano, that would be amazing, <laughs> Fabiano from Sugarloaf Bakery teaching you about all the foods from different Saints Days in Brazil. I think that's a very easy, we all can get together and talk about food. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't get together and talk maybe about religion or politics, but food is something that unites people. So I'd love to see that type of social entrepreneurship in in Ireland. And, and you know, mm-hmm. we did it to an extent in Madrid and Alambique where we would set up a mobile kitchen in Plaza Mayor and we would get people to come and teach. But it was normally like sponsored by you know, like a kitchen maker or the embassy of Mexico or whatever. But it was such a nice thing to see everybody being like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that's how you made tamales. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, one other thing, it, it brings to mind another way that I've I've learned a lot of skills over the years as well. And it's not schools, but I've learned to make a lot of things from food producers in different countries as well as in Ireland. So my the last one, I was up in Northern Ireland with Abernethy Butter. And, um, you know, they hand roll the butter with wooden uh, paddles and, you know, to be able to stand in their small um, premises and do that with them hands on one to one, you know, to get that kind of visitor experience. I also learned how to make goat's cheese in Puglia in Italy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You know, they really stick out in my mind and I really I really feel food producers, they want to teach you how to make their product. They want to share that knowledge. You know, the amount of bakers who want to show you how to make bread. I know that Own Klusky and Bread 41 is great for giving workshops. Um, I think that, that the world over, you can often, rather than going to a school, you can find the, the learning, the classes with food producers. I don't yeah. want to plug um, a woman that 
we all love. Um, but Sally Barnes, maybe this is yes. the other cooking demonstration that I've done because she did teach me how to fill so it May and was smoke. Lying about yeah, all her she actually taught awesome. me how to fill it and smoke, you know, fish. Um, but I, you know, as everybody knows, you don't mind if Sally is laughing at your knife techniques. Um, Sally Barnes is probably. You know, our you know, she's like a national treasure. She mm-hmm. is um, a fish smoker down in West Cork, and she is doing workshops. And um, those who don't know Sally, um, I would just highly recommend just just having the Sally Barnes experience. And she'll give you a knife, and she'll you know, and she'll teach you how to fill it. And she she smokes the old fashioned way, so it's it's a lot of just brine and instinct. Mm. And you know, and what she uses, you know, for smoke. Like I think sometimes she'll use like like this violin maker's, you know, shavings, and she'll describe like the flavor of that, and you know, so, um, and then she'll also be able to give you a history too of fish and seafood yeah. in Ireland. You know, like she, she's passionate. She's an oceanographer. As well, just well. getting to spend time with her is amazing. And actually, mm. it brings to mind another uh, down in Cork in Canturk, um, Jack McCarthy from McCarthy Butchers. I did a full day butchery class um, and we, you know, from the whole pig um, and butchered it, learned how to carve it up and then make products from it. But also, as you said, just the history, so much history within that and also knife skills. Um, and then just it's so great because, I mean, what they said at, at the end of it was that if you wanted, you could get your own half a pig or half a, a, a lamb and, and do this at home, you know, in terms of of using all of an animal, mm. respecting it. If you're going to eat meat, like know what the cuts are, know how to carve it, know where it comes from. And therefore, you know, you're being more sustainable when it comes to your own meat use as well. So, yeah, I, I, I really think that and in Ireland, we're blessed with so many food, amazing food producers. But it would be cool in this cultural space. You could have yeah. different people from oh, like, absolutely. the community and then you could have producers. And I know the Chicago Cultural Center did it, did the yeah. subsidized classes. And I taught like some Spanish ones. So it was offering courses from all around the different communities in Chicago, but at a much lower price. So this is because sometimes cooking schools, you're like, I want to go to a cooking school, but sometimes they're expensive. It's like 65 euro, 85 euro. So some type of subsidized model would be amazing. And in a space like for the government to create that space in a cultural center. Didn't you as well, like the Cervantes? I mean, those classes, I mean, that's a great cultural center to... Yeah, but Cervantes is more because they don't have a kitchen, mm-hmm. which, you know, for example, the Alliance Francaise has a kitchen. So they're able and they do these lovely. I have to say the Alliance mm-hmm. does lovely online cooking classes. I do more like history and, you know, like the cultural uh, angles of Spanish food. But yeah, like these, these if Cervantes had a kitchen, that would be yeah. incredible. Yeah. But sometimes these cultural centers... They're more like promoting books or or paintings or so they don't focus on that. But that's the I, that's that's the thing. The kitchen is the perfect tool for promoting culture and for promoting mm-hmm. like unity across different parts of society. And that's what we should aim for. So if any of our listeners have any ideas or yeah. recommendations, like we'd love to hear or, about or it. money or yeah. money. Yeah, I do <laughs> think as well. Just to I suppose to wrap it up or to end, but on three. Irish-based um, chefs who are also doing private uh, cooking, but in their kind of their own schools. Um, uh, Lily Ramirez Foran, she has an amazing school. I mean that she set up uh, Picado in Dublin too. Um, I know that she was doing classes 
in in the shop, but now obviously with COVID, she's doing them online. But I mean, she's an amazing teacher, right? And I mean, like there's an example of, I mean, just, I've done one on one with Lily because I've bullied. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Please do not go out and bully Lily into class. <laughs> but um, she's an amazing teacher. Um, and I mean, if you're going to learn Mexican cuisine from anybody, Lily is the best person. I also did a class with Kevin Thornton. Um, Kevin was the first Irish chef to get two Michelin stars here in Ireland. And he set up um, his own home kitchen as his school. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. You can do... Um, private uh, classes with six people with just your friends book in for a day and he has different themes and things I absolutely love it it's really just getting that one-to-one experience or that really intimate experience and I just noticed that Aoife Noonan the pastry chef has set up an online school as well um, which, so it's nice to see uh, a lot of different variety from Irish chefs who are opening up classes So let's wrap it up um, if you want to say your ideal cooking school, so we know May wants one-on-one. One-on-one with someone very good-looking. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> no, I'm, you know, but also um, the one cooking, it, it would, um, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but I would have loved the chance to have gotten more one-on-one cooking experience with my grandfather, who mm-hmm. is an architect, but sort of, you know, generally considered in my family, who all are brilliant cooks, um, to be the best chef. But, you know, he he passed away when I was, you know, um, seven. Um, But I would love to have gotten the chance. And I did with my grandmother, you know, when I was growing up. But I would have loved to have a chance to do that with him. You have described my perfect uh, school, Blanca, there when we were talking about I'd love to see a school in Ireland with... um, you know, teachers from all different uh, backgrounds, you know, and just to be able to go and learn, you know, even just informally, just kind of an intimate setting. I like small classes, um, hands on uh, with demos as well. But just, yeah, learning from loads of different people like Fabiano. Sign me up for I want to be first into his class when yeah. that opens. For me, I think um, we didn't mention Alambique, which is one of mm-hmm. the oldest um, amateur cooking schools in Madrid. But what I loved about working in Alambique was that anybody who had a passion could teach, mm-hmm. but they could teach their own recipes. It wasn't like, oh, no, we're cooking Blanca's recipes. It was um, so inclusive. So there'd be days that you'd have the first three-star Michelin chef teaching, Benjamin Urdiain, who's Basque. And then along would come this lady who had won the gazpacho competition and Ajo Blanco competition in Cordoba, and she'd teach her recipes. So to see all that variety, because I do think sometimes professionals get really defensive as if, Mm. oh, only professionals. You need to have worked 20 years in a professional kitchen to teach people how to make spaghetti. And I totally disagree with that after my experience of divertimenti in London and Alambique, that everybody has a story to tell and that People, there was a lady who taught Italian Jewish cooking in in um, in Divertimenti in London, and she was just amazing and and magical. And she would tell you all these different stories that she would give you an insight into that culture. So that's the type of school I would love to to see, like a school mm-hmm. where you could see I don't know JP come and do his hay yeah. smoked oysters, but then. My mother-in-law come and do yes. her jams. Yeah. I'd love that. School. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. Anyway, it was really lovely chatting to you, um, May and Dee, about cooking schools, which we seem to 
know a lot. We're so addicted and which I wasn't supposed to be a part of this yeah. podcast. We, <laughs> but we as accepted. it turned out, you lied. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that was so much fun. Um, and we would love to hear from you in terms of did we leave something out? What is your favorite cooking school or your favorite cooking experience that you want to share with us? As always, you can contact us at hello at spicebags.ie or on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at SpiceBagsPod. Please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. what you heard or better yet have a question or response or comment to anything that we said today we really want to hear from you so please contact us at instagram at spice bags pod twitter as well as the same spice bags pod or you can email us at spice bags pod at gmail.com this show is part of the headstuff podcast network a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.